0: Hello, sports fans. This is Jeremy Taché, and this is Miami mic Up, presented by Cold Blue Vodka. If you haven't tried Cold Blue yet, head over to your nearest Total Wine or select Sam's Club's locations to pick up an ice sculpture bottle. It's the perfect refreshing drink to enjoy on its own or in your favorite cocktails, mojitos, Bloody Marys, martinis, Moscow Mules, and more. Cold Blue Vodka is gluten-free, crafted from American-sourced corn, and distilled eight times. Easy to sip on, enjoyable, and the best part, no hangover the next day. I repeat, no hangover the next day. Our friends over at Cold Blue Vodka gave us a promo code for our listeners. Head over to coldbluevodka.com and use the code BALLY20 for 20% off. That's one word, bally L -L Y two zero for 20% off your online order. Cold Blue Vodka, redefining the blue-collar lifestyle. Now, let's get to the show. And we're very pleased to welcome in Jessica Blaylock to this episode of Miami Miked Up. Jessica, for those of you who don't know her, if you somehow are listening to a Bally Sports Florida-inspired podcast here and don't know Jessica... She does sideline and studio work for both the Panthers and the Miami Marlins. Jessica, it's so nice to have you in studio with me here today.
1: It's so nice to be here. I can finally check this off of my list.
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) This
1: is a big deal. Uh, I've finally made it.
0: Oh, God. Get out of here. (laughs) Jessica, thank you, first of all, for the seal of approval. Um, Second, if you have heard any episodes of the show or if you have not, the first question that we always start with, and I will start with you. What is something outside of the workplace that has brought you joy recently?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. Thanks. Um, Outside of the workplace. Mm -hmm. It's so funny because I have to think about that for a second because just wrapping up baseball season with the number of games, you literally just work. Every day. Almost every day. (laughs) (laughs) I would say the amount of time I've had to FaceTime with my 15-month-old niece who lives Mm. in Jacksonville.
0: Oh, my God. Collins
1: Josephine, who is amazing, and Mm. I love her. And the last time that I got to see her was going back to Jacksonville for her first birthday. Um, And so my sister does a great job calling me, FaceTiming me so that I get to see her and talk to her and just to see all of the things that she's learning and experiencing. And I got to watch this great video of her with bubbles, which was the cutest <laughs> thing I've ever seen Um, because nothing beats the genuine joy of a child. So yes. probably getting to FaceTime and getting to actually spend a good amount of time hanging out through FaceTime with my niece.
0: Right. That's so nice. Well, and it's nice that at least they're just in Jacksonville. Yes. It's not like too far away. Absolutely. My, my fiance's family lives in, in St. Augustine and Jacksonville as well. And so nieces and nephews there it's the same sort of deal like i just got to see uh her two nephews who and it goes
1: by so fast so fast it's just (laughs)
0: crazy to see how quickly these little kids grow and it's it's wonderful like there's nothing like that with family so that's that's so nice i'm so glad to to hear that that you were able to do that and with the little bit of time off that you have and that's actually where i'm gonna start with you is in covering both of these teams We've had a conversation recently, a couple of months ago, you and I spoke a bit about your path through broadcasting, and I find it to be absolutely fascinating. Um, You're someone who's very much kind of carved your own lane to get to where you are right now. But where I want to start is sort of when this was all just a dream, when this was all just something that you wanted to do, when did you know that? broadcasting and specifically sports broadcasting was something you wanted and and how in the high school and college years were you trying to achieve it
1: yeah i'm one of those people who i've always said I feel super lucky and super blessed in the sense that I really always knew what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I knew in seventh grade that I wanted to do broadcast journalism. You had the option in middle school to take a couple of different electives. I took a journalism class. I had the chance to do the morning announcements. So cool. And I will never forget, I was walking through the hallway in middle school and someone was like, hi, Jessica. And I didn't know who they were and I just assumed they had seen me doing the morning announcements morning announcements. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, I'm hooked. Like this is what I want to do. Like a hundred percent. Um, I was always that kid that, you know, wanted to be the center of attention Uh and that wanted to be in pictures and that never shied away from crowds and just kind of absorbing that energy and, and seeing how much fun you could have being in front of a camera. I knew, In middle school that I wanted to do broadcast journalism. And then in high school, I continued to take journalism electives. And when I was 17 years old, now I'm dating myself with this. Oh, boy. Uh, When I was 17 years old, junior in high school, it was the 99-2000 season for Florida basketball. And I fell in love with that Mm. team that eventually lost to Michigan State um, in the national championship game. And obsessively followed Gator basketball that year, just fell in love with the team. And I remember thinking to myself how much fun it would be to get to follow along on a team's journey and do interviews with players and, uh, you know, get to cover sports, not just be a journalist, but get to cover sports. Mm. So when I was 17, I knew I wanted to do sports journalism. And that was really before it it blew up big time, right. right? I mean, this was back in 1999, over 20 years ago. So I, as soon as I got to the University of Florida, I immediately declared journalism as a major. Knew that whatever opportunities I had to do anything sports related, I was going to do. And again, with this being the time frame that it was, there wasn't necessarily a sports journalism degree, right? You just got a degree in news journalism Mm -hmm. and anything you wanted to do sports wise was on your own time now there's crazy awesome sports journalism programs the university of florida has a partnership with the sec network i mean there's all this stuff but Mm -hmm. back then it was like okay cool you want to do sports come and pick up the camera that weighs 70 pounds load it into the back of your car go to the event on your own shoot some stuff record yourself put it together, you know, do whatever you need to do to make the it one happen. man band. Exactly. Yeah. But I just knowing that's what I wanted to do. I just threw myself into it and had the chance at Florida to cover our baseball team for two seasons. I did some tennis. I did some golf. I did women's volleyball, which was amazing, and eventually got to do some men's basketball. Um, and on top of that, work behind the scenes for ESPN for several events and Mm. that's kind of how I got into my job path once I graduated from college
0: so two things from there then number one what a benefit to be at a school like UF where all of not only was it a really good broadcast program but the timing of when you're there, just about—I mean—and that's been the case for a couple decades now. But just about <laughs> every team on campus was good, Absolutely. like everybody, and that's that's a huge advantage of going to a school. And I would recommend that to anybody who's who's like young and trying to pursue this as a career. Don't just go to like the football school because it's very competitive when there's just one team on campus right. who everybody wants to cover. When you can go to a school like UF, and I, I'll even group UCF in a similar way where. Every program on campus matters in in some capacity within their own realm. That had to be wonderful. But you mentioned the working behind the scenes with ESPN, and I'd I'd love to dive into that a little bit. What did that entail? And that was while you were in college. So what were you learning with them that kind of helped propel you?
1: So my sophomore year at UF, everyone in the journalism department was on a big you know, email listserv that would send out different opportunities uh, within journalism. So, my sophomore year, I got an email and all it said was ESPN opportunity. And I was like, I don't care what this is. If it's just like emptying trash cans, I- I'm going <laughs> to yes. do it. I'm yes. going to do it. I'm going to take whatever opportunity I can. So, I ended up responding and I was hired to pull camera cables amazing behind. A camera on the sidelines of a Jaguars game, which actually ended up working out great because I, being from Jacksonville, I had a place to stay. I think I got paid 40 bucks. Yep. And, yep. <laughs> It didn't matter, even if you were just volunteering, even if I I, I didn't get paid at all, I would have done it. Hmm. So that was the first thing that I did. And that led to opportunities to keep working events for ESPN, whether it was pulling camera cables, whether it was working as a runner, which basically meant you ran any errands Mm -hmm. that needed to be done. So I did that for a couple of years and I ended up meeting an awesome woman named Michelle who hired basically like hired and helped crew for ESPN college football shows amazing and so she offered me a job right out of college to work as an operations assistant on the Thursday night college football show for ESPN which basically you have a producer and a director and then you have an operations director who deals with all of the logistics Mm. of the show so I was his assistant to help take care of all of the logistical things, things that you wouldn't even think of. I hired security guards for our camera positions. I booked porta johns for our crew. (laughs) I set up catering. I filled out all the paperwork for anybody we hired as a runner or a utility. Uh, So just all of the ins and outs. I was the first person in. Mm. I was the last one out. And I got such a great taste of what goes into a production from start to finish and understanding that it is way more than just the person you see on camera. Mm-hmm. And and you get such an appreciation for the number of hours that everyone on your crew puts in and what they do to, at the end of the day, make you look and sound good. So it really, it, it was a great opportunity because I, I not only did uh college football, the, the Thursday night college football show, I got to work on the Saturday primetime college basketball show, I did some NASCAR, uh, I did a ton of traveling, got to go to all of these great college football, college basketball cities, and I really think those, you know, five, six years I spent behind the scenes have hopefully made me better in front of the camera, knowing everything that my crew does to make it all happen.
0: I would think it has to when you know all the little intricacies. It's no right. different. We, we talk all the time about how like catchers make great baseball managers because they kind of see the whole game. They're
1: involved in every play. Right. They and are literally involved in every play.
0: Exactly. And, and that's what you're talking about here is you had a chance to sort of try on a bunch of different hats within the broadcast and say, okay, these are the things that I like. These are the things that I don't like. These are the things that are really hard. These yeah. are the things that can be made easier. <laughs> right. And so on camera, now you know everything that everyone's responsibility, it can only make you better at your job. And so you took those moments, you took that experience, and obviously now you're here, now you are on camera. But what was that first role? What was that first job that then sparks, okay, I'm going to be this on-camera personality now who's doing the reporting that you wanted to do?
1: Well, that was what was so great about getting that opportunity behind the scenes is my crew knew I wanted to still eventually be in front of the camera. And That's the we best. were a huge family. And so they would sometimes on their breaks, mm. they would shoot stand ups for me with a jib camera so that I could put together a quote unquote resume reel, even though it was. You know, it, it was things that had never aired and right. we, were not ever going to air. But
0: that's what my reel was coming here. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so I I had stand ups from all over the country at different college football campuses, and um, my crew eventually ended up helping me edit together a resume reel, mm. and I I sent it out after after five years of working with ESPN, I sent it out to a bunch of different places, and. Ballet Sports, which was still Fox Fox Sports Sports Florida at the time, time, um, they were the one place that responded. And Ned Tate, who used to be the executive producer, uh, I remember he wrote me back and he's like, you know, I think you I think you have some potential. I'd love to meet and talk with you. Um, And so we had a meeting. Went really well. And Fox Sports Florida gave me the opportunity to work the sidelines for high school Basketball, state finals, back-to-back weekends. Um, And then a month after that, they assigned me to cover the Orlando Magic. How
0: crazy. So it was kind of all
1: this amazing, amazing. right, like whirlwind of, wow. Like when things started happening, it started happening very quickly. And I am so appreciative you know, of, of Ned, of uh, Brett Updike, who's now currently our executive producer, of Steve Tello, of just everyone within this Fox Sports, now Bally Sports family, who saw this kid mm. who really had no experience being on camera, just had a, you know, a dream, right. essentially, and took a chance. You know, and and still to this day, here we are over 10 years later. um, You know, I got to do five years of the NBA. I Mm -hmm. got to do the basketball state finals, the high school football state finals. I've had the chance now to cover seven years of baseball. I'm I'm in my seventh season of hockey. Holy cow. And just what an amazing path it's Mm. been all because this family here took a chance on a kid – who had a dream and wanted to make it a reality.
0: But you also took advantage. And that's a huge part of this too, is you've thrived on this air. I mean, I've been watching and working with you now for a couple of years <laughs> alongside and seen the way that you put the work into what it is that you well, do. Thank and thank you. But, I appreciate that. That is a huge part of it. And I'm not just going to sit here and, and flatter, but it is. it is. It's, it's, there's one thing to get opportunities and there's another thing to take advantage of them. And so it does matter that Like you said, you were kind of given this opportunity before there was any sort of on-camera work. But then once you got that, you clearly showed what a great job you can do. And now you get to keep doing it. And you actually wear a couple of different hats here. You do in-studio work and you do sideline. I'm wondering, do you have a preference of the two that it doesn't mean you dislike the other, but is there one that sort of gets your juices flowing a little bit more? I would imagine that's being in the stadium on the sideline or the arena.
1: You know, I love both of them Mm -hmm. uh, for different reasons. But when you get the chance to just tell a really cool story... Or to do an interview that means so much, you know, whether it's going out into the crowd and getting to talk to a family who's watching their son. Oh,
0: those are my favorite.
1: Pitch in the big leagues for the first time or whatever it may be. Or you, right? Because storytelling is such a a big part of what we do. And Mm -hmm. storytelling, especially on the sidelines, you're helping. I've always looked at being on the sidelines as not just a chance to describe the the sights and sounds of what's going on at a game. Yes, that's a big part of it, right? Because you kind of get access to a part of the stadium or ballpark or arena where not everybody gets to see. But a big part of it, too, is helping fans get to know the guys.
0: Not, Not just
1: as players, but as people. And we get to spend so much time with these guys, especially a season like baseball, Baseball. I probably spend more time with these players than they do with their own families. And maybe not so much these past couple of years where we haven't necessarily been traveling, but, uh, typically in a normal season, we spend more time with these guys than they do with their own families. So you really get the chance I mean, to to know, to truly know these players, not just as the position they play, mm. but as people. And so that's also a, a responsibility I don't take lightly is being given the privilege of helping fans get to know the people.
0: Mm. That's such a huge part of it that I think, I mean, gosh, that's obviously that's like our goal here with this podcast in a similar way is is to try to help everyone get to know these guys, because... I mean, specifically, I've had personally a lot more experience being around the Marlins than anybody else thus far, just with what my work has been in the last few right. years. It's a group of really wonderful guys. Yeah. Like there's a lot <laughs> of really great people. And it, it, it is so it's so important that. We're able to tell those stories and facilitating those specifically like you talked about where, all right, I'm going to get to go talk to the mother or father of a guy who's making his major league debut or when Jazz's family came in and you got to talk to Jazz's family for the first time. To be able to help accentuate those stories has to be just it's a rewarding feeling, I would imagine, is getting to be able to not only then talk about the individual player, but to reach out into their own lives and pluck something out of it, like a family member, like right. a friend who's in town, like an experience for the first time. I would think that's a very rewarding process. You are listening to Miami Miked Up, presented by Cold Blue Vodka. Let me talk about this bottle for a second. This is something you don't see every day. For those of you listening, it is an ice sculpture design that honestly looks like a piece of art. It really stands out on the shelf, so it'll be hard to miss when you head over and pick up your bottle at your nearest Total Wine or Sam's Club locations. And this ice sculpture design on the outside is just as smooth as the great taste on the inside. You guys need to try Cold Blue because it is premium quality, one of the only liquors that doesn't give me a hangover the next day. Follow Cold Blue Vodka on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Blue Vodka. That's C O L B L E U V O D K A for South Florida events and new recipes. We're gonna step away from from work for a second. I actually want to talk to you about your music taste because yes, yes. All right, so so let's do this. I
1: have my bell bottoms on today too. It, this is, is
0: perfect. perfect. Yeah, this is great. All right, so we're in good shape here. <laughs> so because uh, you and I spoke recently ab- about music a little bit, and I was I was really taken back by who some of your favorite bands are. <laughs> uh, and the first mention, obviously, was Pearl Jam. Um, because
1: I think I suggested that you needed mm-hmm. Jeremy yes. by Pearl Jam
0: <laughs> That's exactly what it was. as
1: your song for the podcast. I was going
0: to avoid the joke <laughs> as it's, you know, it's sitting right there for everybody. <laughs> oh, gosh. But yes, we talked about Jeremy by Pearl Jam and then ended up getting into music. So I, I just want you to reveal to everyone the type of music that you are listening to on a daily basis. Like when you wake up in the morning and you were going to throw on the radio, what would be... Or I guess, you know, throw on Spotify. Gosh, I dated myself by saying the radio.
1: It's okay because Uh, I still reference an iPod. And I don't even know if people have iPods anymore.
0: I don't even know. An iPod's probably a collector's item soon. Like, you know how people are bringing back like disposable cameras, like it's cool and trendy at some point. Oh, an iPod that can only hold a hundred songs. I need one of those.
1: Meanwhile, I'm like wearing that in my fanny pack when (laughs) I go running.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's br- that's the best sentence. I'm wearing that in my fanny pack. Okay. So while you're running and listening to and music. And I'm not even
1: doing it ironically. Right. You know what totally I mean? Real. Like I'm not even trying to do it as like a statement. I'm right. like, oh, this is convenient. This so is convenient. So I'm going to run with my fanny pack because I can put my iPod and my key in it.
0: Oh, no. Okay. So what music is on that iPod then, Jessica?
1: Oh, man. Uh, well, first off, it's <laughs> okay. packed with Led Zeppelin.
0: Okay. Great. Led Zeppelin
1: is my all-time favorite band. I, I really inherited my musical taste from my dad okay you know I always remember growing up my dad just always playing great music um and and it was everything from Zeppelin to Pink Floyd to the who to yes oh my to ACDC to Van Halen I mean just musically I should have grown up in the 60s right. or the 70s because all of my favorite bands come from. Those decades, and it's not just classic rock either. You know, Motown, Mm. I, Otis Redding, his voice moves my soul like nobody else. Al Green, I like you can just go down the list. So, if you hit shuffle on (laughs) my music, it may go from Led Zeppelin to Fleetwood Mac to Otis Redding to Pearl Jam to the Rolling Stones to. You know, Smokey Robinson to, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, it it will just go through this jungle land of all of these different types of music, but the vast majority of it really has a '60s and '70s classic rock flair to it. Just
0: like hooked into it. That's that's awesome. I am kind of similar for the same reasons. My dad, you know, played it was mostly Bruce Springsteen and then the Beatles. Did you like
1: the Jungleland reference? Yeah,
0: I did. And I <laughs> see, I wasn't going to jump in and say, ha, a jungle land of music, Bruce yeah. Springsteen. But uh, yeah, it was the first thing that came into my mind and yeah. I had to stop myself from making the joke. So I'm glad you finished it and got to make oh, it yourself. make all the
1: jokes. but <laughs> Make all the jokes.
0: Just jump in, just interrupt, make the absolutely. jokes. Absolutely. But we, as a result, I grew up with, with super similar background of listening to music like that. And yes, on my iPod, throwing a lot, lots of classic bands or things like that. So I actually remember a funny thing that popped in my head recently was in seventh grade, we had to do some science fair project, or I don't know if it was science fair or just a science class. And we had to like, Create a project where we were talking about pathogens or some some weird science something in you know seventh grade, <laughs> and so me and my friend who was raised similarly who was also like the '70s soul instead of you know doing a normal project, we re- rewrote the words of "Happy Together" by, by the, the turtles. turtles, yes, by the Turtles, and sang it about pathogens. And there's video out there somewhere in the ether of me with my little seventh grade crazy. Jufro that existed (laughs) uh, that was just all over the place wearing puka shells Singing, uh huh, uh huh, resinging <laughs> the words, <Puka> <laughs> happy together. It was all the trends. I, you know, I was a, a middle school kid when, when you know, the the Jonas Brothers were super cool, and then like the surfer look and Bieber's long hair and all of that. Oh, nice! I was celebrating
1: so, like my 35th birthday. Oh, when the Jonas Jessica, Brothers get were out, cool. out of here! With Wait, that. also you. They're and They're still I, cool. They are still cool. Actually, they have a song sure. called "Cool," so ha, and it is on my running mix, oh, so my gosh. I will own that. Broch. Um, you and I are a kindred spirit because. Chemistry honors my freshman year of high oh, school. No. <laughs> One of my friends and I did a project on algae and we took Brass Monkey by Beastie Boys and yes. turned Brass Monkey into green algae. Oh. that funky algae. Oh, so no.
0: I'm imagining this and it's as it was glori- amazing. It must be glorious. It was if you- glorious. It, there's no way it that exists glorious. anywhere, but we'll have to recreate it. Yeah. Next episode, we'll recreate the lyrics to green algae on this <laughs> podcast, I'm sure the lawyers will love that we're singing actual songs. We're taking all here. of
1: these just wonderful songs and completely destroying mm-hmm. them. It's awful, completely and it's, destroying them. But
0: in but in only the way that a, a nerdy attention grabbing yeah. seventh grader, tenth grader would be able to. Yeah. And that's that actually is the, the kindred spirit part. Is is searching for that attention so bad that we need to rewrite the words yes. to songs like that because yes. that would be easier than writing a report. Like easier to stand up in front of the class and be yeah. performative than to also actually sit down and write in something. Also, a band like
1: Beastie Boys, right? Because yeah. "Licensed to Ill" might be a top ten album all so time great. for me. So I,
0: I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people tweeting at you about this music after this. This share is share so cool. all of
1: your musical tastes and love with me because I like if you wanted to start a podcast on music. Okay, I'd be down. Well, for maybe. That. All
0: right, so uh, we're workshopping this here right now as it's happening. But I would love to do like a once a month. Let's talk about an album yeah. or something like that. Just you tell me whatever album you've been listening to, and we could just go through we'll it and talk it about down. why. Just be five minutes and do it via Zoom. Seriously, new segments, everyone. Uh, <laughs> so I'm only gonna have a few, uh, one more off the ice and court and field question for you before we actually get into some Panthers talk because I've already kept you for far too long, but. I'm intrigued. You don't get a lot of off time, obviously, because you have two seasons that go back to back. So I imagine you have to take advantage of just the individual days off. So when you have that individual day off, what does a day in the life look like for Jessica Blaylock when she doesn't have work to do at this network?
1: I am not a morning person. Mm -hmm. Also, my schedule does not really set up well for me to be a morning person, because there are a lot of nights during baseball season. I go to bed at you know, two thirty in the morning. Yep. So a day off for me definitely includes sleeping in. Wonderful. I'll probably set I'll set the alarm for nine thirty, hoping I can get up around then, but I usually hit snooze for another like 30, 45 minutes. Perfect. Um I'll make breakfast. I love running. Uh, it just makes me so happy. So whether it's running at the gym because it's too hot outside or when we do have a beautiful day, whether it's just going on a nice run walk outside. Um, I love water like Mm. water literally just speaks to my soul. And I think a big part of that is being a native Floridian and always growing up around water, whether it was going to the beach, whether it was, you know, I swam competitively for 10 years. So I was at the pool every day during the summer, um, I just love being around water Mm. and that's one thing I love so much about living in South Florida is, you know, you can just walk out your front door and there's probably water close by. Um, so if, if I can spend time on the water, then I, I definitely love doing that because I just think it also just helps reset me mentally. If it's been a really busy stretch, um, so, yeah, and I love, especially now that I'm older, too, if I have a night off, if I've worked, like, you know, 12 baseball games, and right. then I have, like, one night off, and then I'm working another five or six, I just don't want to cook for myself. Mm. So, as an adult, I really appreciate going out to a nice dinner. So, it will, a, a day off for me will also probably involve going out to dinner somewhere, and that's another great thing. There's so many great local spots here. Oh, man, here. for sure. So, um that would be my ideal day. Sleep in, maybe go for a run, spend some time at the beach, spend some time on the water, and then go out for a really good meal to end the day. Yeah,
0: that sounds perfect. Right? Yeah, Didn't that, that sound sounds like great. a great day. As I've, because I'm now for the first time starting to experience not quite what you have going on in terms of a schedule, <laughs> but I'm starting, you know, following multiple teams, that sort of deal. And it's something I have appreciated are both. The water, which I had never lived out east before, like uh, my family lives in sort of suburbia about a half hour from here, and so for whatever reason, that 30-minute drive out to the beach always seemed like this big hurdle, and now living five minutes from it, I'm taking advantage of that constantly. Just being by the water for an hour— can just completely change your whole week well, so
1: especially as a kid doesn't a 30 minute drive as a kid oh, feel it like, like it forever. takes like a week
0: uh-huh you're uh-huh. like when are we
1: gonna be there
0: <laughs> literally there's a movie it's, called it's, are we there yet for yeah. a reason yeah it was it was one of those things that we just never really took the trips out and you know pretty fair skin so i'm not i shouldn't be in the sun all that much but being out there for an hour here and there it's nice you know just as if my mom is listening don't worry i'm wearing sunscreen but being out there and and sort of resetting that way and then man a a nice meal where you don't have to cook for yourself and can just kind of go out and be be treated is real nice and something now that like even a new appreciation for is we had a little while there where we couldn't do things like that like to be able to go out to a restaurant in general i'm just loving in, in a general sense but okay Almost 30 minutes into this, let's talk about hockey. Uh, The Florida Panthers, guys, have gotten off to their best start in franchise history, 6-0-0. Nearly every power ranking has them at the top of the National Hockey League. And yet this team isn't that different from who they were last year. We saw this improvement coming in a lot of ways. and we all said they were not really a team that was eliminated in the first round, you know, in the way, in the way that they were losing to the Tampa yeah, Bay a, Lightning. It was a
1: brutal first round draw. Awful.
0: Brutal. Man, literally the champions. No, right. And similar, the Heat had the same thing in playing the Bucks in the first round who went on to win a championship. But what is the biggest difference that you see with this group to start the year? Is it simply addition of talent? Or what do you see from this Panthers team that, Makes you believe that six zero and zero is not a fluke. Obviously, not eighty two zero and zero, but that six zero and zero is not a fluke.
1: I think there's a couple of things that stand out to me. I think you really truly see the balance and the depth. You know, and that depth was there last year, but it has taken even a step further mm. this season, adding you know a guy like Sam Reinhardt, Anton Lundell, who's been terrific phenomenal to start out the year um and a player that the organization was really high on coming into this season so you really do have four lines where the drop-off is not that significant from line to line Mm. um I think defensively You've seen a very, very strong, responsible, defensive effort this year. And a huge part of that is that boost of getting Aaron Eckblad back to start out the year. Um, the growth that Mackenzie Wieger experienced last season, the way that he stepped up after Eckblad went down, the way that Gustav Forsling stepped up after Eckblad went down last year, the impact of not just having... Patrick Hornquist and Radko Gudis, but adding a guy like Joe Thornton mm-hmm. to that dressing room. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight. Mm-hmm. I think Sergei Bobrovsky really came into this season and he has, he has always been very candid mm-hmm. in the past couple seasons about wanting to play better, wanting to be better understanding there were areas of his game that he needed to be better. And he has Absolutely been fantastic Mm -hmm. to start out this year. So, I think it's not just one thing in particular that you look at with the Florida Panthers. I think it's every area where they have been really, really good. Mm -hmm. And because of that, there's a trust, right? There's a trust that Bob or Spencer Knight are going to be great in the net. There's a trust from the goalies in the defense that the defense is going to be there in front of the net to help clear the puck. Uh, There's a trust in one line to the next that guys are going to pick up right where that other line left off. And it has been... It's it's just <laughs> been an absolute blast.
0: Well, it's a fun. It, uh, this is a what, what's also great is the Panthers play a very fun brand of hockey. Like it's an entertaining brand on top of the fact that right. they're winning. And I think the thing that you mentioned that I, I find to be most fascinating is how that drop off from line to line is is seemingly insignificant. There are, despite having superstars on the first couple of lines, like there's so much depth to this team. And the word you mentioned in trust. You almost wonder if some of those moments that happened last year, if Bobrovsky struggling at moments and Knight coming in and pushing him a bit, if Ekblad going down and Uyghur and Gudas needing to raise their game, if, if some of these circumstances that ultimately led to the Panthers' loss to the Lightning last year might be the thing that sort of helps turn them around. I I look back, we we all watched like the last dance during the summer and, and the way that the Bulls had to lose to the Pistons a couple of times before finally becoming the team. You wonder if that's what this could be for the Panthers. If these last couple of additions and, and really a team that now is battle tested and playing in a big playoff series can, can take those steps. But the most interesting dynamic of all of them to me was the one that you mentioned with Bobrovsky and, and, and Knight together and, I spoke to Bobrovsky on this podcast before the season where he spoke about how his relationship with Spencer Knight is good. And he has said that he is someone who, whether he was the young guy challenging the veteran or now as the veteran who's being challenged by the young stud, that it's always been important to him to have a good relationship with whoever the other goalie is can do you think that that's unique? Do you think that their sort of ability to pull for each other here is something that can help put the Panthers over the top? Like that that's not drama in itself?
1: Yeah, I think that's one thing you have to give Bob a ton of credit too is he never took that and manifested it in a negative way. Right. He was a great resource for Spencer Knight when Knight would get the win. Who is the first guy skating out to him to congratulate him? Sergey Bobrovsky. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like there, mm-hmm. I'm sure that wasn't an easy situation to right. handle from uh, Bobrovsky's perspective that, I mean, it had to be tough in, in ways, you know, but he always handled it like a professional. Mm-hmm. And, um, Yeah, competition's a good thing, right? Like, competition does push you to be better. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with healthy competition within your own team. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, all of these things that happened last season, whether it was a tough situation, like Ekblad going down, whether it was a tough situation for Bobrovsky, like Spencer Knight coming in and playing so well, all of those things have led to everyone kind of elevating their game Mm -hmm. which is a good thing and you see it right going into this season
0: right well and this team has obviously started hot they're 6-0 and that won't last forever there there's a chance they could lose the day this podcast gets released right but what do you believe is the key for the Panthers to capitalize on this long term what needs to either stay a part of what they're doing or what needs to kind of happen throughout the season for them to be able to, to get as far as we all believe they can. And I guess your answer could just be avoid the Tampa Bay lightning, <laughs> well, <laughs> which is a fair answer. Uh, but, but
1: they played well right. against the lightning, right? Like yep. it, the, the one game in Tampa mm-hmm. was a perfect example of, I think what kind of makes the Panthers a little bit different this year. And, yes. e- and even going back to last season, you know, you think about that game in Tampa, the lightning, evened it up in the third period. And what happens 64 seconds later, Alexander Barkov finds the back of the net. So whereas maybe in past years that could rattle Mm -hmm. a team of, Oh no. Okay. Now we have to go in, you know, prevention mode of, of not letting them score again. And and we play a little bit tighter and we play uh, with a little bit more stress on our shoulders because we just allowed this game to get tight. no, what do they do they come back and respond like right. there's such a i think a confidence there in the sense that you don't you don't go into a game hoping you're going to win like you go into a game knowing you're capable of winning mm-hmm. and and when that confidence is there it makes i think a huge huge difference because you don't panic in the third period if you're in a, a tied game or down a goal. you know, you have confidence that you can come back and win it. And so I think I think maybe that's just the key is is continuing to believe. I mean maybe that sounds corny, but just believing in your ability. Right? Like having that confidence, like not doubting your system, not doubting your defense, not doubting your goaltending, not doubting that uh, whether it's the top line or the fourth line, that they're going to be able to find a game winning goal or whatever it is. Just this team is built and it's built for success and it's built for sustainable success and it's built for a deep, deep run in the playoffs. Um, So just maybe just continuing to believe, okay, we have everything we need to be successful. We just have to go out there and continue to do it.
0: Well, it seems like obviously they've gotten off to the right start. So has our Bally Panthers broadcast crew. All of these games have been great. Jess, you've been <laughs> fantastic. This was so much fun. Thank you for spending so much time with me. I originally told you 20 minutes, and I believe we're near 40. So nice. thank you so much for taking this time to speak with no, me. I had an absolute blast. blast. Like I mean, our well, new musical correspondent, I mean that very seriously. We we're can gonna go have to go for
1: another 20 minutes, another 40 <laughs> minutes. I well, mean, there's so many different things that we could still talk there about. There really so we'll...
0: are, and we'll be honestly. Please, please. I'm asking you now. Please come back. I can't wait to have you again. This is so (laughs) fun. And we we will. We'll dive into a bunch of different stuff. And and as yeah, I mean, the winter meetings will come up at some point. We'll talk baseball, too. So this has been so fun. Everyone, you could follow her at Jess Blaylock on Twitter. Uh, I know that she doesn't really care if I'm promoting her socials right now. Social (laughs) is not the place to be. But but social media, go follow her at Jess Blaylock and obviously follow all of her work. On our networks. Jessica, thank you so much for spending the time.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miced Up with me, Jeremy Tachet. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or Toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.